Philippi's congregation, I was just thinking as we sang that last song about Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And isn't that a good thought? Uh, and being in, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul wanted to be more and more like Christ. And I pray that's why we're here this morning. If you're a guest to HBF, we're glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, and I know we have several, uh, we're glad that you're watching uh, this morning. And if you catch this a little later, uh, we're glad that you're watching a little later as well. If you uh, didn't get the memo, if you're watching online and you want to get connected, you can uh, you can text us, um, uh, HBF guest at 96,000, 964,000. Oh, 94,000. I think I misquoted that last week, so forgive me. So it was probably someone else getting a text somewhere. 94,000. Uh, so guess, send that to HBF guest at 94,000. And we'll get in touch with you and send you a welcome gift to your, uh, to your location. And uh, I see Jared, Amon, man, it's good to have you home. Thank you for service and uh, appreciate you being back from your deployment. And uh, man, praise the Lord for that. I'm sure Emily and the girls are happy to have you home. So you surprised them, right? That's awesome. Was anyone like making a movie of that thing so they can put it on the, man, that is so awesome. I love, you guys ever watch those movies? I don't care what kind of man you are. I mean, you're going to cry when you watch that thing. I mean, it's, it's intense. And uh, it's pretty awesome. So we're glad to have you home. Be praying for Cassie Anderson. She'll be returning as well next week. And we're glad to have these that are serving uh, the Lord in the military service uh, and have them back home especially. So please be turning your Bibles to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. We're going to continue our Perfect Peace vision update. Uh, this is installment 3 of 4, as I have it planned right now. And um, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you and turn to page 944. And if you've been with us, uh, you kind of know where we've been. We've been talking about uh, this need to have perfect peace. And several weeks ago, I introduced the subject uh, last month, actually, before Doug Carriger came and uh, we talked about how it's important uh, to be at peace. And uh, our vision for 2022 is very simple. It is uh, our seventh year of our seven-year planning cycle. And this year is the year of rest. So I pray that we will be at peace so we can deliver the gospel of peace, which is what we talked about last week. And uh, in a couple weeks from now, we'll talk about uh, being prepared for the coming of the Prince of Peace. So Again, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we talked about how the whole world seems to be going mad, but God has called us to peace. We are the people of peace, and we know from the Scripture that there's genuine peace that God offers us, and then there's, uh, which is becoming an increasingly precious commodity. And then uh, we, we also saw that it's important uh, not only to have peace, but to declare peace, right? Our job is to be a part of the process of delivering the peace. And uh, as I mentioned, if you were here last week, I started with this introduction about Neville Chamberlain and how he made this uh, audacious statement after visiting with uh, Hitler uh, in, in uh, Munich, Germany. And, and he came back on September 30th of 1936 and declared that I have secured peace for our time. And uh, that became a huge, um, um, the biggest misquote of the century, frankly, as World War II commenced within that year. And... Uh, and at that time, he had traded the, the freedom of the Czechoslovakian uh, Republic uh, for their safety, right? He gave up kind of land for peace. You may have heard that before, right? He gave up someone else's land uh, for his temporary peace. It didn't last but a few months. And of course, uh, we know how World War II ended. And so last week, I was talking about how it's so important that 
uh, if you have peace, you have to be prepared to go to war. That was really the problem, is Neville Chamberlain really was not prepared uh, to handle uh, Hitler. He wasn't prepared for war. And uh, you can hope, you can want peace all day long, but the reality is you are born into a spiritual war. Uh, and sometimes you don't realize that. It takes you some time, but you don't have to be very old in this life. I mean, I remember as a little kid, uh, my conscience being pricked and understanding that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the society. You know, there's, you know why are the kids at school mean to me, right? Or why, are, why did I do that to this person? Why, you know, why did I steal that corncob pipe? You know, I still remember that, you know, I... I was like five years old and didn't even know I was stealing it. And I stole this corncob pipe at the Six Flags, I think, down in Texas. And man, it wasn't very long down the little walkway. My dad was like, Brian, where'd you get that? You know, and just immediately I'm like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and I realized I was a convicted thief right then on the spot, you know, and I had to take it back, you know, and give back the corncob pipe. I just reached up and grabbed it because I was a little center dog. I didn't know the rules, right? But the law, as soon as I heard the law, man, I was smitten, and I realized I was lost, right? I, I didn't really know I was lost. I just knew I was a little, I'd broken the rule. I was, I was, I didn't even try, and I was breaking the rules, you know, because, well, that's our nature, isn't it? Right, from the time of our birth, we, we don't teach our kids to do good. Well, we do, but we, we, we're always instructing them not to do bad, right? Stop it! Don't! Just, right, stop! Because of our nature, right? It's our sinful nature. We're born into a spiritual battle. And so if we're going to bring peace, we've got to be ready to go to war. And as Christians, Jesus is our peace. Uh, he commands us to be prepared for war. The last thing the adversary wants uh, is for us as individuals and us as churches to be ready for, for spiritual battle. And, uh, and so uh, that's important that that's what we do. Our mission here, we've been reiterating this week after week, is to equip the saints of God and saints are people who are born again. They're just set apart through the Holy Spirit of God. Equip the saints of God in the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God in the power of God for the glory of God, by the grace of God. I mean, that's all we're here to do is do what God tells us to do, like a soldier, obey, obediently until he comes. And we talked about that last week as well, the need for obedience. And so if we're going to deliver uh, the, the, the peace, we're going to have to be obedient. So perfect peace um, let me, before I jump into where we left off, I, on your sheet, if you took got a note sheet, I'm not going to rehearse be at peace, but all the points are there about really we talked about being at peace is all about the prince of peace, the person of peace, and, and understanding there's an illusion of peace in this world. And so if we're going to have true peace, it's centered on a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll end um, in a few weeks where we began on that subject, but it's helpful to recognize that there's also phases that come in peace, right? There's times uh, before the storm uh, when it's peaceful uh, and we need to be at peace with the Lord. There's times in the midst of the storm, like when Jesus is out on the Sea of uh, Galilee or Sea of Tiberias, and they are on the ocean or on the sea there, and the storms come, and Jesus is snoozing, man. He's sawing logs, you know. He said, hey, we're going to get to the other side. But they were freaking out, like, Jesus, we're going to die. And uh, he's like, no, peace be still. It's all good. And boom, there's peace in the midst of the storm because Jesus is riding with you. Uh, it doesn't mean everything outside is going well, but inside, Jesus Christ is our peace. And then after that, there's always a conclusion, right? At the end of every battle, there's a conclusion. There's a season of peace. At the end of every storm, after the tornado comes through, all of a sudden the clouds part, the birds come out, and everything may be destroyed, but it's peaceful, right? And it's kind of like that. It's like a cycle. 
And uh, after the, at the end of the Revelation, Revelation 19, there's a season of peace. It's a thousand-year peace period. But even then, Satan, if he's let loose, will cause havocs because he is at war with God. So for what we're talking about in our time, we have to be at peace. But you know what? We have to also be prepared to go to war. And the reason why is because God wants us to deliver the gospel. Uh, this church is poised and we're situated in a way, when we talk about delivering the gospel, Obviously, that means individually we need to be about the business of getting the gospel where it needs to go on time. Uh, I mean, we should be intentional about our gospel outreach. We're talking about that. We'll talk more about that. I ended the message last week talking a little bit about that. You'll be hearing about that at the Vision Conference this year. And uh, that's important. But also, we're publishing uh, the Word of God on a perpetual basis. And so we're perpetually preparing the seed of God's Word and getting it to the world. Just this week, I was able to deliver... Uh, through Word First, uh, 50 uh, Farsi New Testaments to people right here in our community uh, that are from unreached people groups and, uh, and, and people that if, if they receive that New Testament in another country where they're from, they could, they not could, they, they're gone, right? They're dead. So God's bringing that. So even if there's a, a, a pandemic, right, and you can't go to the world, God will bring the world to us so that we can get the gospel where it needs to go on time. So we have to like be on our A game. There's so many distractions. You know, in a war, there's distractions. Uh, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of, the Bible speaks of that, the noise of war, right? So there's all kinds of distractions. Some of those things are even scary. And you hear, you hear all kinds of distractions through the noise that comes through the media in every form in which it bombards us. But we come together on Sunday to stay focused, right, and to have a vision on where God wants us to go. And we know that he wants us to deliver the gospel of peace. And, and so we have to realize, wow, if that's going to happen, I've got to destroy disobedience in my own life because that's the thing. I've got to handle that disobedience in my personal life. And it doesn't matter, you know, uh, in the Bible who the, the saint is. They all had to learn obedience. And Jesus was the leader in that. Jesus set the example. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. We talked about that in Hebrews 5.8. Though he would never disobey, he put himself in a position to obey. We talked about that when he went to the cross. And Peter learned Right, we talked a lot last week about how Peter learned to submit to God's vision even when it didn't line up with his vision. Right? And so sometimes things don't end the way you want them to end. They don't go the way you want them to go. Anybody experience that in life? Like you had a vision for something and it's like now all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's not what I was expecting, Lord. Okay, so what do you do? You quit? You curse God? You know, Peter kind of did all that. <laughs> and then God's like, hey, Peter, guess what, man? Um, you, you got to get this right. And he got it right, remember? But he wasn't productive. He, he was right with the Lord. Jesus resurrected. Peter was there. He was in the upper room. He was back in fellowship with God. But when it came to ministry, he wasn't no longer productive because he, he really needed his identity changed. He had to quit identifying with who he was and fully embrace who God called him to be because there was a call on his life. And I didn't get this in my message, but I just need you all to know, this morning, God is calling all of us. Uh, some of us this morning, God's calling to, to uh, repentance, meaning salvation, right? He wants you to come to a place where you, you, you let go of everything but Christ and you trust Jesus Christ and his finished work alone for salvation, right? That's, that's a call that is out right now. And the spirit of God moves around uh, and he convicts the heart. So people that are in that spot, like I once was, uh, begin to, uh, to understand their need for a savior outside of themselves outside of the things in this life there's only one way to be saved that's through jesus christ and 
So God has to bring you to that point in your life where you're actually willing to say, you know what, there is no other way, there is no other truth, there is no other life. I have to trust Jesus. Right? That's so important. And then for the, the bulk of everybody that I'm speaking to, I'm talking to the church about the vision and the need to, to, to uh, deliver and, and the, the gospel. You know, No matter what happens, we have to do the mission of God. It's, we don't have, it's not a luxury uh, to do it when we want to do it, how we want to do it. No, God has given us parameters. He's given us a mission, and we're here to equip the saints of God and the Word of God. That's it. That's why the church exists. And being connected to the local church is a huge part of that. And so today in American culture, being connected to the local church is minimized. It's kind of scoffed at in many ways. But the truth of the matter is, the real truth of the matter is, it is the local church and the saints, which is y'all, that are the key to everything. You can take any, give me any problem in our society that you want to throw up. And I can tell you this, uh, throw up's an appropriate word, by the way, Genesis chapter, or Revelation chapter 3. That's what God says, I want to vomit. But you give us any problem in the culture... Uh, and guess what? God's going to have a solution, and it's going to come through the church being the, 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 the salt and the light, the pillar and ground of the truth. So what, the, what does that really mean? We don't need Christian rock stars. We just need Christians that are obedient. Jesus is the rock star, right? And not enough people know him or the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. Jesus my Lord. You know, we just sang it. Paul says, I just want to know him. I want to be conformed to his image. I want to be more like him. And so we got to drop our concepts and just follow Jesus obediently. Knowing him is cleaning the church. Knowing him is mowing the lawn. Knowing him is assembling a Bible. Knowing him is working in the children's ministry. Those things, the things that we just do, are the things that God somehow uses to magnify himself in a mighty way. So we're a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. As, a, as Jesus Christ illuminates us the way he desires to illuminate us. Because vision is not just about what we see, but it's bringing the light to a dark world. Our, our yoke is easy, and our burden is light. Following Christ is easy. The burden, though, is getting the light to illuminate the dark world in which we live in. Uh, it's not just that, it's, oh, this is a light thing. No, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that God wants to do in our, in our lives. He wants us to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. So Peter was at peace but he wasn't productive until he met with the Lord, and then God got him straightened out. <clears throat> and if you don't have peace, we can't really deliver it to others, right? He had business with God that he had to get straightened out. And that's really where we left off last week. Uh, we, we remember from uh, Proverbs sixteen seven, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And we ended with that, that, that passage about the beautiful feet of them. Remember, we kept talking about the gospel and the feet. You know, it's interesting that the, the gospel of peace is on the feet, Ephesians chapter 6, of a soldier, right? If you're going to deliver the peace, you have to be prepared for war because you live in a combat zone spiritually. And so when we talk about peace and tranquility, that's what we have in Christ, but the world doesn't have that. So uh, that brings me to where we left off and where we're going this morning. So point B on the outline on the back of your page, if you're using the note sheet, is we have to develop the fruit of the Spirit. So in our text that we're basing this entire thing off, I'm just going to read this and we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us go forward from here. Uh, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to trust you this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray, God, a special blessing on the reading of your word this morning, the hearing of it, 
Lord, are we that he that puts our mind upon thee because we trust in you? Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that each and every one of us has trusted in you as Lord and Savior. That is your will. Uh, That's where we start as we answer that call to salvation. And Lord, I pray, God, as Peter had to work through his sanctification, Lord, each and every one of us saints would would consider ourselves. Where are we at with you? What is the next thing you've called us to do to be obedient so we can take the gospel of peace where you have called us to go? Lord, I pray that we would know the gospel. Maybe some this morning, Lord, need to understand the gospel to receive it. Maybe some that have received it need to understand the gospel to share it. And Lord, I'm sure there are many others that need to go beyond that and answer the call and the ministry and the service and all kinds of things that you've called them to. Lord, we may, may we be obedient uh, to go where you call us to go and follow you and be shepherds to whoever you would have as shepherd. I pray now as we continue in, this, in this, uh, this series, Lord, that you would continue to illuminate us, open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from your, from your word, that we may illuminate a dark and dying world. May our feet be shod with the gospel this morning. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so develop the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I went from this discussion of delivering the gospel to developing the fruit of the Spirit because that's so important to this equation. Now, when you think about developing fruit, that doesn't make any sense logically, but I want you to hang with me for just a second because fruit grows organically, right? Fruit grows organically. Every farmer, and we have plenty in this area, knows that fruit is developed organically. All we can do is actually plant the seed and water it and allow God to give us the increase. But God grows it, right? He is the one that gives the increase. Now, Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 19 says this. Notice he says, I create the fruit of the lips. There's fruit that comes from our lips. And then he says this. Notice, peace, peace to him that is afar off. That's the fruit that's coming from the lips. And then to him that is near, saith the Lord. Whether you be near or far, the fruit of the lips of God is saying, Peace, peace, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. One of the places that we see fruit is in the lips, right? The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There is a need for our lips to be sanctified to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lips, our tongues, our bodies, of course, First Corinthians, Romans chapter 12, we understand that intellectually. But, I mean, practically speaking, when you talk about going forward in a time of troubled water, in a time where people's life is dragging up dirt and mire everywhere you turn, uh, there's a negativity, uh, it's just like a bad vibe, like if we're back in the 60s or something, the 70s, whatever. You know, it's just a negative deal. And God says, wait a minute, and you need to, you, my lips are peace, uh, peace to him that's afar. Hey, I'm here to draw people to myself, right? When he's lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. He doesn't care who you are. Maybe this morning God's calling you and he's drawing you to himself. He's like, hey, some people think my sin is greater than God's grace. It's just not true. That's prideful. You are not more sinful than God is good. God's goodness is enough. His sacrifice on the cross is enough to save you. That is why you should bow your knee and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Because he's also great enough to condemn you. He's the only man that's just and will condemn you and is able to do that justly. So we will not have the fruit of the gospel of peace in our lips if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And before you check out on me, because you know all about the fruit of the Spirit, just hang with me one more minute or two. Because in Galatians 5, in in the passage many of you know, the Bible says there, but the fruit of the Spirit is 
love, right? Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the fruit of the 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 fruit um, can actually flourish. And so when we talk about you know growing, and really growing is a better word for for building. But we need to definitely increase uh, increase the fruit. We need to grow. We need to we need to see that fruit grows uh, organically and it develops. Fruit can flourish and grow, or it can wither and die. When you think about fruit. You know, it has it has seasons. There's times to to harvest it, right? There's times to to uh, for it to bud and come back around. So we can lose our we cannot, I'm sorry, lose our salvation, but we can impede our growth by feeding our flesh instead of our soul, right? We we can impede the the, the work of the spirit in our lives. The Bible is very clear. And I'm not going to get into all the verses in Ephesians and talk about grieving the spirit, quenching the spirit. We can grieve and we can quench the spirit, right? So the Bible is clear in the New Testament that though God's spirit is is you know is the invisible person of Christ in us, we can we can quench him, we can grieve him, and what he's wanting to do in our life. And so um, when you look at the fruit of the spirit, ask yourself simply, you know, if love, joy, and peace are present on the inside, where no one else can see it, you know, then where, then are we are we where we're supposed to be? See, love, joy, and peace is not something that you get externally. It's something that it resides internally. Do you have that? I mean, are you? Is that flourishing? Is that is that being is that being robbed? Is there things in your life that are corrupting that? What is it, and why is it? Would your life then be characterized? Characterized? I'm sorry, by long suffering, gentleness, and goodness. So those are things that people can see. Right, long suffering, gentleness, and goodness—not just gutting it through because you know you're a tough guy or a tough gal, but you're genuinely full from the inside out of love, of joy. There's just a, a supernatural peace. You're at peace with God, and then those other things flow from it. Right, the 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 gentleness, the the long suffering, the goodness, all that, the goodness and the and the and the long suffering come because of what's in on the inside. And then you know what will happen is the world will accuse you. <laughs> Are you being accused by this world of being full of faith, being meek and temperate? Have you ever noticed that when you're filled with the Spirit? What's, well, I'm up here applauding. Man, you got love, joy, and peace on the inside. Uh, you're displaying that with, with, uh, with these attributes of, of uh, long-suffering and gentleness and goodness. And from a biblical perspective, that's an awesome thing because... We understand what people will see is that you're full of faith, you're meek, you're temperate. But when you go to work sometimes or go to school, people will look at you and they'll go, man, what are you, crazy? You're full of faith. They don't say it like that, but that's what they're thinking. They're like, what are you doing, man? Why? Because you are in that battle. You're 180 degrees the opposite of where this world's at. And you got to being full of faith, believing what God says. Yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe what the Bible says. You're crazy. Uh, man, what is wrong with you believing the Bible? Hey, be encouraged. You're right where you need to be. Believe the Word of God. Uh, believe the Word of God. Meekness, right? That's not weakness. But you're just not agitated like everybody else. I mean, you're just like, hey, uh, I'm, saving, I'm saving my emotions for things that are worthwhile. Right? So what? The Chiefs lost. Okay, next. Right? Um, now, don't get me wrong. I wanted them to win more than anybody. But... It didn't ruin my week. I was over it. 
right? It's over. Why? Because that doesn't matter in the scope of eternity. We're in a real battle. That's just, that's just child's play. That's the, story, that's the toy department of life. The real battle's happening right here with y'all in your lives and the lives in which you live out here in this world as you're up against it. And, and the fruit of the Spirit is being challenged when you come out full of faith and meekness and temperance. And you don't go to the same excesses as other people because you're preserving your life for something better. Right? You're keeping your life, you're, 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 you're maintaining, by God's grace, maintaining a life and a lifestyle, uh, not to say, oh, I'm better than you, you're a teetotaler, all that stuff that you get accused of, right? Uh, you're just, it's like, no, I got more. I just got more. It's better. I got a better life. I'm sorry. I don't want to go back to the vomit, man. I don't want to go back to the mire. I'm done with it. I one time had this guy sit down with me one time. This was a Christian fellow, and he sits down. And he says, uh, man, I, I was, he was telling about all these cigars he's smoking. And, uh, and uh, I'm just sitting there listening to him. And then and he kind of was like waiting for my response. And I just told this brother, I'm like, well, God took that when I got saved. I, I quit smoking, you know. I used to, when I was lost, I'd smoke because that's what lost people do, right? You drink a beer and you smoke a cigarette. That just goes hand in hand or whatever. But nowadays, whatever. It's, you can vape. You can do whatever. But you got to get some something in your system, and uh, and you know, I'm like, dude, uh, and I think this guy grew up in a legalistic home probably, and so he's trying to exercise his liberty and all this stuff. You know, I, uh, whatever, knock yourself out, pal, get lung cancer. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't need that anymore. I, I I have Christ, and I'm not sitting here beating everybody up on smoking cigars. I'm just saying, there's things in my life I just don't want anymore. I'm not trying. I died, you know, March 25th, 1987, it was over for me. And that doesn't mean every fleshly habit is gone. Don't get me, I'm not saying that. But the point is simply this. There's things in our life we just don't have room for anymore. You just don't have time for. It could be Netflix. I just don't have, I was talking with, a, with Nathan last night. I was talking about things we watch on. I just, it's hard to sometimes fit time in to binge watch something, isn't it? Right? I'm like, okay, fast forward. I'm done with that. I don't have time. Next message. Uh, because there's things that are more important. What is that? That's, a, that's our life being consumed with the things that are more important. Right? You know, Peter had no more time to go fishing. He had to be a shepherd. Not fishing for men, but fishing like physically. God called him out of that vocation. I had a gal call me a couple years ago and say, Hey, Brian, I need you to do this, uh, you know, this drafting work. I used to be a part of that company kind of moonlighting on Fridays and I was like you know what I I do no longer have time in my life for that I wish I mean good luck to you you need 20 hours a week you're not getting it here I don't have it I don't have I don't have eight hours for you I don't have anything I'm done my my I quit doing that I'm full-time herding the sheep right now that's all I got time for and you, you know what I'm saying God just progressively asks you to follow him Follow him, follow him. Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So we can actually grow in these areas as we go. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says this According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God has called us to glory and virtue whereby we are given, are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises, 
that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I think we all can identify with having a... If you're born again, you have the divine nature, but you also have this other nature that fights against you. And he goes on to say, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So faith is important. Remember we talked about that, fruit of the Spirit? Faith is important. You can add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? Well, virtue is an easy way to comprehend it is character, right? It's The word actually comes from a word power, but it really it means character, like the virtuous woman. She's a powerful woman. You know, you got feminism, right? You want the powerful woman. Ironically, if you want a powerful woman, go to the Bible. You'll see all kinds of virtuous women. Ruth is a virtuous woman. Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. They're industrious. Uh, these are women that are virtuous. Abigail was a virtuous woman, right? And so the, they're powerful women. They have influence. Abigail was able to influence a future king, right? She was able to put at bay a tyrannical husband. She did all of that with just her, her force of nature, her power, her virtue, right? Who she was because she embodies the church. She embodies the fruit of the Spirit, the power that comes through our, from our faith, the virtue, and virtue, knowledge. If you get knowledge, right, without the virtue, you don't know how to handle the knowledge. You get puffed up. You don't have the character. So it's important <clears throat> that we have the character to handle the knowledge that God gives us and to knowledge temperance, right? That's also in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, temperance. <clears throat> and to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Being more and more like him. I want to know you, Jesus my Lord. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Because the end of it is charity, right? And brotherly kindness, charity. Charity is the goal. So if you're really growing organically, you're going to be growing in love. Isn't it God, good that God puts these, like, these, these lists in place? So you can actually look at that in the Bible, and you can say, how am I doing here? Right? How am I doing with my brotherly love? How am I doing with my virtue? How am I doing with my knowledge? Not to minimize knowledge. Knowledge may puff up, but you still need knowledge. Right? You can't share the gospel of peace if you don't know the gospel of peace, right? You can be born again and not have the gospel memorized. You don't know it in the Bible. You don't know where to go. You don't know the addresses. You don't have the verses committed to your mind and your heart. Well, good gravy, get started. You don't need a class on that. I mean, if you want to find something in owner's manual, you open it up and you find it. You open up your Bible, <coughs> go out here and grab a track, put that thing in your Bible. I was saved like five minutes and figured that out. And, and grabbed, a, well, fortunately, let me be careful here. My disciple, the guy who led me to Christ and then discipled me, gave me a New Testament with an outline in it, so that helped. <coughs> Excuse me. But as soon as I got a Bible, what did I do? I took that outline and I put it in my Bible. I didn't even have anyone. Why did I do that? Because I couldn't memorize it. I'm terrible at memorization. So I kept a cheat sheet with me, so when I ran into somebody, I could go and find these verses, and you memorize it that way. Before long, you internalize that, and before long, you don't even need a cheat sheet. It just, becomes, it just becomes who you are. I mean, it's that kind of simple stuff that, that we all need to be about the business of doing. Now, if you say, well, Brian, I'm saved. Okay, great. Have you done that? Well, I need discipleship one. Yeah, you do. But you can do that without discipleship one, right? That's just having a want to, to get out to other people what God's given to you. And that's all a part of what we see in this list in, in uh, 1 Peter 3 through 8. You can grow... You can, you can grow spiritually, is my point. And there are, there are objective ways to measure that. 
It's organic growth. But also, I want to contrast that. And that's, as you notice when I talk about that, that's really internal. That's really about what you are doing with the Lord. And we as Americans love that because it's all about us, right? Individuals. But I want to transition here for just a moment in this, on this point because we're talking about delivering the gospel, having our feet shod, being ready to go to war, right? You've got to have the internals, right? You've got to have guts. If you're going to be in war, you've got to have guts <clears throat> because you've got to go forward and be willing to lay down your life. Uh, Butch Page was talking about that at the men's breakfast yesterday and, and, uh, and some of the admirable soldiers of history. And, and you have to be willing to, to give of yourself. But you also, you can't just do it as a, there, it's, it's not a Lone Ranger type of thing, is it? A soldier is part of a, of, a, of a unit. You know, God doesn't just send out one soldier to fight a battle. That happened with David and Goliath. That is not normal. And they both represented what? Armies and nations. Right? And so that's a unique situation because David represents Jesus Christ and Goliath represents Satan and it is coming to a head-to-head showdown. But most of the time, us folk, what are we doing? We're waiting for our champion, and we're wanting to join in on the battle. And so it's so important that we understand that disciples are built faithfully, right? There's an organic, supernatural growth that happens through the Word of God, the Spirit of God, that we got to be engaged in, and we need to take advantage of discipleship in this church and do all of those things. But you also understand this church as a whole (coughs) is here to make disciples, and that's where we're going, that's where we've been going, that's where we're going to go. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So verse 20, I'm going to pause here and we'll get to verse 21 in a minute. What does that mean? You are part of something that's bigger than yourself. Heartland is not part of some denomination. We're part of, a, of a, a supernatural movement of the Holy Ghost that has started in the first century. We're built upon the apostles and prophets and the many saints that have gone before us. And as I mentioned last week, I, I realized just as we celebrate our 20th that now we own a slice of church history. 20 years is 1% of church history. I'm like, whoa, or one-tenth, I can't remember. I did the math and it worked, but now I'm on the fly. I don't remember what it was. Somebody tell me. But it's... What is it? It's one-tenth of one percent. But that's a slice of church history. And we own it. I'm not looking back to someone else. I'm like, wow, what did we get accomplished in 20 years for the sake of Christ? This local New Testament church. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We draw our authority directly from what Jesus Christ was doing after his resurrection, his ascension, and leaving the Spirit of God with the church of God In Acts chapter 2, as the church was empowered at that point, he goes on in verse 21 and says, In whom all the building, notice now we're talking about a structure, a building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. (laughs) You notice a building project isn't really done until it's done. It's just a construction site. God is building something that he wants to turn into a holy temple. It has to be furnished. It has to be completed. God is trying to complete a work in us. And we are here to get the gospel where it needs to go so he can finish the temple. He wants to have a holy habitation. And we are fitly framed together. We're grown in a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
So it's kind of like a double entendre. And literally, he's in us right now through the Spirit of God, but yet he will dwell in us because we are his bride in the, in the, not just in the millennium, but in the ages to come. But we have a unique relationship with Jesus Christ in the church and in the local church, I might add. So we develop fruit as we are faithful to build disciples in the faith. Building is part of the process. Discipleship is not what we do, even though I said that already. It's really who we are. Making disciples is, is like that is our identity. Uh, we are, if you're not a disciple, that, what does that imply? You're not following Christ. The disciples followed Christ. Does anybody here want to raise your hand and say, I'm not here to follow Christ? Why did you come this morning? I mean, why are we gathering? The Bible tells us we're here to equip the saints. What does that really mean? Well, we're here to build people in the faith, right? Because we see that faith grows and the Spirit of God is, is, is enriched and we can continue to build. Not just the buildings are just superfluous. That's just clothes on the body. The, 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 real, the real body of Christ is y'all. It's the individuals that are following Jesus Christ. We're in a building process. Disciples are built faithfully, right? Disciples are proven. Disciples are followers. And why do they follow? They follow until they can't because each step they're tested. Jesus kept running off his disciples. He kept, he kept putting them in situations where it got harder and harder. Why? Because he was proving them and their faithfulness. It's not a question of God's faithfulness to us. It's a question of our faithfulness to him. And that's what the local New Testament church, and God forbid we talk about that in America, but that's what we're here to do. This isn't just some, some country club. We're here to accomplish the mission of God in a way that it proves us out. There are things that we do here that are difficult. We're going to have a HBI graduation here this spring, and you know, or this early summer. And the guys that graduate from that, they'll tell you, that was difficult. They gave four years of their life to that. Why did we do that? Uh, because we're proving their sincerity. We're proving their faith because we're trusting them with all the knowledge in the bank. We're saying, Here is what, this is the body of knowledge of your pastoral team. Here it is. Boom. Right? Now you have to be responsible with it. Do we want to give that to people that are untrustworthy? That won't get up early on Saturday? That won't burn... Midnight oil, you better believe this is the most precious thing we have is the mind of Christ. Are you kidding? We got to give that to faithful men and women who are able to teach others also. This is an organic growth process. We develop fruit as we are faithful to build disciples in the faith. And that starts with discipleship one and discipleship two. But that's just like our structure. The real work of discipleship actually happens in the relationships that we have in ministry. And I'm getting there if I can get through my notes. So, so, uh, so discipleship is not what we do, it's who we are. Now, John, in, uh, Jesus said this in John 17, 4. He says, I have glorified thee on earth. He's getting ready to go to the cross, but he hasn't gone yet. He's praying. And uh, he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. He's, this, is, uh, uh, this is the Lord's Supper. I have finished the work which thou givest, gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And by the way, so if you think Jesus wasn't God, you... you you, you got to, John 17 makes it very clear. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. What were they? They were faithful. Disciples are built faithfully. Jesus says, I gave 
these men your words, and they have been faithful. Now, Jesus, as he's praying this, he knows they're going to fail here in just a little while, right? They're going to fail me. I've given them the word, but they're going to mess it up. How many of us as disciples can say, man, I've messed it up. I think we've all, there's got to be grace. Guys, this is a place of grace. It can be tough, but you're going to get grace here. But you know what? Jesus entrusted the word of God to these folks, and he received them because they were faithful. They followed him faithfully. He said hard things, and, uh, and they still followed him. Peter said, you know, like officer and a gentleman, where am I going to go, right? I mean, there's no one else that has the words of life. I'm following you, Jesus. I have manifested thy name unto, them, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I am came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. <coughs> Excuse me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Think about that. I'm not praying for the world. I'm dying for the world. You know, we could put that in parentheses. I came to die for the world. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not praying for them. I'm going to die for the world. This is what I'm going to do. I'm praying for these that you've given me. Where's the hope of the world? Well, it's in Jesus. But you know what? It's entrusted to y'all, entrusted to me. The vision at HBF is to be faithful with that. You know, there'll be a big game today. <clears throat> and uh, they're going to have this little dead pig, and they're going to carry this dead pig full of air up and down this gridiron. And, uh, you know, I can promise you this. One of the keys to the game, I'm, not, I'm a prophet. No, I'm not really. Uh, one of the keys of the game is holding on to that dead pig. You've got you to carry that dead pig up and down this gridiron with all this opposition. And if you don't hang on to that dead pig, you're going to lose. Because possession, right, nine-tenths of the law. You got to hang on to that pig, and you got to dominate. You got to dominate that clock, and you got to possess that thing. And whoever possesses it the most is most likely going to win. There are exceptions in this game. It's a game, but when it comes to the gospel, I mean, uh, man, guys, God has given us the gospel. He's given me personally, you personally, but us as well. We got to carry that ball, and we got to carry it all the way to the end. And we can't devi- We can't drop it. We've got to hold fast to the faithful words that we've been taught. That's what discipleship is all about. It's not just a transfer of knowledge. It's a transfer of life. We're called to do miracles. Greater works than these. What is that? We've got to see, there's empty seats all over this place. What does that represent to us every given Sunday? There's obviously some people we need to get saved. There's some people that need a miracle in their life. They need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm not saying that to guilt trip anybody. That's what we can pray for right? Jesus died for the world, so what's he want? He wants us to go. He wants us to go intentionally with the, with the gospel and outreach to everybody. So Jesus develops these disciples before he dies on the cross for our sins, and upon his resurrection, he delegates the responsibility of discipleship to the apostles and the church. And you know the verse, Matthew 28. When I talk about the mission, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, right? And then he transfers it in verse 19, go ye therefore and teach uh, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all, even to the end of the world. Amen.
So at HBF, we recognize that the work of making disciples is integral to our obedience in sharing the gospel of peace and making disciples of all nations. Disciples are made in the context of a local church. It is one-on-one is is discipleship for sure. That's a great way to get started. But at the end of the day, the church is in the business. Uh, When we're over here and you're leading a classroom, teaching the kids, and you got someone helping you, you are discipling them in ministry. They're watching your example. They're seeing how you deal with things. When you head up a volleyball team or you're doing some other work in the ministry and God has entrusted people to follow you, you're working in the AV booth, whatever it is, it's not just about what you're doing. It's about what you're doing, who you're doing it with because, because God uses everything that we do to make disciples. And so it's so important that we understand these principles and we, and they're really, and we take them seriously. And so right now the nation's are coming to our front doors, I've already made mention. we got to be willing and ready to meet them. So making disciples is the primary uh, thing that we do because it's who we really are. Currently, we have 87 approved disciples, uh, and 11 of those uh, are in in, uh, situations uh, that would allow them not to disciple. So we probably have around 76-ish active adults in our church that can disciple someone else, and they're trained. Matter of fact, just do that. If you have been through how to disciple right now, just stand up. I just want to see that as a visual. How to disciple. What's that look like? That's quite a few of you right here in the room right now. That's not 60, so I don't know where the other ones. Some of them are online, maybe. So that's enough people right there. So, okay, you may be seated. That's a good object lesson. If you're like, man, I, I want to I go through discipleship, maybe these people are available for you to sit down and take you through the Word of God. And uh, I, would, I would do how many of you are in discipleship. I don't want to do that right now. Uh, but you can see that we, on paper, we have about 76 available adults to disciple. That's about 30% of the adult members of our church, which is running 206 right now. And uh, we currently have 33 adults and uh, teens in discipleship. That means about 16% of the members uh, are in discipleship, which is wonderful. And that leaves a little more than half of our approved uh, disciples available to finish uh, the work of disciples among the people that we have right here where we are. And of course, next week, uh, Gary Haskell's coming. We're going to have discipleship training. And I me- thank you for signing up. Many of you have just signed up for that. We've had more signups this year than we've had, uh, I think, in any year that we've had the training. So I appreciate that and that uh, you're going to enjoy that uh, and make sure that you, if, you're, if you haven't signed up and you're an approved discipler, you need to make sure you, uh, you can get at that meeting because that'll be a good time. And so it's important that we understand that. The body of Christ also moves, as I was mentioning a moment ago, relationally. And I've already touched on that, so I'm going to keep moving. But one of the things that Ephesians 4.16 says is that we increase the body under the edifying of itself in love. One of the things that has to grow is that last thing that Peter mentions is love. That's the mark of maturity, is love. When Jesus Christ came to this world, what did he actually do? He loved the earth like the Father wanted him to to do by dying on the cross for the sins of the world. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20, the Bible says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. <clears throat> and if they were all one, as I'm sorry, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet uh, but one body. He's, he's pointing out to the Corinthians, who are a little dysfunctional, as we would say it today, that they needed to function even though everyone is an individual and everyone adds a gift, they are a gift. By the way, spiritual gifts are you. You are a gift to the body. God brought you to this congregation. He's added you to this congregation because you are a gift. When you're not, when you're not walking with Christ, when you're, not, when you're not hitting on all eight, we all feel it. 
If I'm not hitting on all eight, y'all feel it, right? We need each other. You guys help me, I help you. We're all here to edify, to build one another in love. It's a body. And so we're all individuals, but we're all functioning together. Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 12. By God's grace, we have, we've had a part in God's mission together. Even the, Let me just celebrate a little bit what God's done. This last year, we had 60 children in VBS. I don't care if you were at VBS or not. That's, that's all part of what this body's done, right? And all the members in particular. That, that's great. We had 40 new members. We've not had 40 new members join the church in like four or five years. It's been quite a while, maybe six, seven years. I don't remember. It's been a long time. We've had five uh, uh, people go through How to Disciple and graduate, four disciples, um, uh, indeed, four discipleship, two graduates. Um, and we've had 43 actively involved in being discipled in 2021. That's a lot of people. Currently, there's like 33, I think is what I said. There is, there's, there's 40, I mean, 40 disciples. Man, that's a lot. Um, now, that's because they were lagging over. It doesn't all happen within a year, so those numbers kind of ebb and flow. We had eight, saw 18 baptisms here last year. You're just looking at numbers. 11 salvations through life issues. Uh, I don't know how many through HBF because I don't track that. Uh, why don't I track that? Because I'm looking for disciples. I mean, the salvations are huge, obviously. But I'm praying that the people who make professions of faith follow the Lord in obedience and follow him as a disciple. Um, 11 salvations, though, through life issues. 21 boxes of food given out through the morsels for many at life issues. 171 average adults in attendance. Um, oh, no, that's actually 171 total, I think, uh, actually. And I don't have a, any clue how many online. Um, and so there's, uh, in the Word First Bible Publishing, there's 70,184 binds, 15 projects completed, 1,200 John and Romans handed out on Halloween, not counting the 4th of July and other events. There was $71,409.10 given to missions. Um, so that's, that was, um, that's almost double what the church, gave. I mean, the church gave about half of that. So uh, more than that came in through your generous giving. There's one international missions trip and two domestic missions trips, three t- trips total. And by faith, we're trusting God for more. Now, that's kind of activity, but that's important because that's the things that God is doing through the body. And by faith, in 2022, we've moved forward with the volleyball. Uh, I mean, we are barely getting through volleyball, but we're doing it. And, uh, and uh, three teams, but it's fun. And it's actually the mission that we have for volleyball is being accomplished. And that's what it's all about. God is blessing a volleyball, and I knew he would. And by God's grace, we'll be able to do that. But if, you, if you're like, man, I, I want to get on. This is probably the funnest ministry, honestly. I gotta, it's enjoyable. You have to just do it. You're like, I, I can't play very well. Well, either can I. I'm old, man. But it's fun. You can come out and whip my tail. It'll be a good time. And, uh, and so volleyball is going good. And in 2023, I pray that we can add one more team. I'm praying we can grow, right? Grow that. Not because we need it. We need, we need to grow it to make it better. Because having three teams does not allow for the quality of devotions that we need to have at the team level. And so for spiritual reasons, we need to grow it by one more team. So maybe you can pray about that next year. Maybe you can be part of the volleyball ministry. Just play. I just need someone to play. We need a warm body, fog a mirror. I'll just stand you out there in the court and you can wave your arms. You know, that'll help us. It'll be a part of helping the team. Um, and so that's important. Uh, we we've, we uh, we need to grow again. We've had thank you, thank you, thank you for investing in the children's ministry, feeding those lambs. I, many of you guys have answered the call to that, but again, we've had more attrition as well, and so we still need 22 individuals to join. And the good news is this time, 
is we need uh, 18 of those, right? Nine couples, 18 people in the lower end of the ministry, not the upper end. So we've got the upper end not covered. We could use four to six more adults there. But if we could get 22 folks that could give a, uh, once a month any, or anything, um, it would help. Uh, and, uh, man, I tell you what, that is a great place to invest. And so, so I'm praying that God at least, I would like to see him provide all 22. I don't want to come up short. Wouldn't that be cool, 22? God brought 22 adults, not just to like be like, oh, man, I got to do this. Roll the eyes back in the head like they're demon-possessed. No, I mean, <clears throat> that have a want to, that want to hold a baby, that want to bless a parent by watching a child. And then we had enough that it wasn't a burden, right? If everyone just did a little, then it wouldn't be a burden. And, and also, and, and, give, and give Sharon a rest. I mean, Sharon, we want, we want Sharon to keep working as long as Jesus wants, but she doesn't need to do double duty. We need to let her run at her own pace. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so we can do those things by God's grace. I'm praying that God provides. And I'm not saying everybody that, that we need to do that's here. Maybe we need to be going out and winning people to Christ that, that are the solution to that, right? So I don't know how God's going to fill that need. I know it's there, and it's going to hinder us if we, if we don't. Because I, in 2023, I'm trusting God to, to establish the soccer ministry again. Once we get this graduating class out, we've got more available hands on deck to do ministry. Because once we do that, what are, that, what's that about? That's about reaching our community, where they're at, and meeting them and speaking a language. If we do that, if we start with a, a little youth league, soccer league like we did, three-on-three three or five-on-five, five, however we choose to do it, we'll have more guests. Bummer. We'll have more people coming to hear the gospel. We'll have more people checking out what's going on, all that stuff. And you know what? It's going to keep filling up the E-wing. You mean that's that's more work? You know, maybe we should just not do that. What do you think? Think you think we should just like not do ministry so that we can be comfortable? I think that isn't that a good idea? Let's just back off. You know, just not be so zealous. Quit worrying about the community. I mean, come on. The temperature's warm here. We can just swim around, just enjoy each other. Oh, okay, okay. I, I went out of seeing, didn't I? I went out of seeing on you. Of course not. If you want that pastor, you need to get out of this church. That is not who I am. I cannot do that because someday I got to cross the finish line and give back to Jesus the gospel that he was delivered to me. And if, my, if the guy wouldn't have taken time out of his life, say, Brian, you need to come over here after class. I got to talk to you and inconvenience himself. I'd be lost right now. It takes a little bit of inconveniencing. It takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of sacrifice. It takes a little bit of like, hey, wait a minute. It's the little things that matter. All hands on deck. There's a battle going on and our feet have to be shot. And we've got to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. Or people are going to die and go to hell. Communities will be affected. Salt and light will make a difference. Not just in Cass County, not just in Harrisonville, but it is already making a difference around the world. I don't really believe many of you grasp the reality of how many people are looking to us, little old Harrisonville, and our fellowship at churches for leadership, for examples. It, it freaks me out at times. I'm like, guys, we're just a little church in a field. But man, there are people around the world that they, they are looking to us. And we need to be looking to them because they're such good examples of what believers are. We need all hands on deck. 
We need to go about VBS. We need to go about the men's retreat in 2023. We need to go about having a man's, uh, 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 Jeremy and Lance are working on a man, uh, father-son type of mentoring program for next year or 2023 as well. Some of this stuff goes out past 2022. Guys, I'm just wanting you to know there's vision. There's plenty of vision. If you want vision, come talk to me. We'll talk about what God can do. But the issue is what is God doing in us? Are we trusting God for mission trips in 2022? Yeah, we are. We're planning... We're going to be planning one this very week. We're planning a mission trip to the DR, Dominican Republic. Lee Carter's going to be here Wednesday night. That's, what is all that about? That is about us shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and going to war spiritually. And we've got to do it here. We've got to feed the lambs here if we're going to go over there, if we're going to go to Oaxaca, if we're going to go to the, the DR, if we're going to get to Zambia someday, if we're going to get to, back to India, Nepal, Bhutan, wherever God wants us to go, we got to be doing it here so that it can be done there. We're trusting God for missions trips, four of them this year. Randy would like to see the Word First Bible Publishing grow to 100,000 binds in the next couple years. In 2023 to 2024, we're likely to be able to publish a whole Chichewa Bible somewhere in the future. That's going to be incredible. Lord willing, in June, we'll graduate five seniors from HBI. That's exciting. In 2022, Vision Conference will be ordaining Pastor Steve Fleshman as he's joined the staff as an assistant pastor with the responsibilities of life issues, the foundation, and then, of course, facilities, which he's inherited from Jim Boyette, and HBI as well. So he's got all that going on and still working a full-time gig. Beloved, I'm trusting God to fill the nets. Remember Peter went fishing? He wasn't catching any fish. Why? Well, he was right with God. He just wasn't productive. Right? He, he, needed to, he needed to be willing to die. Die to self. Peter, that's not what you're there for. You're no longer a fisherman. You're a shepherd. Some of you need to grow up. Evangelism is what we ought to all be doing all the time. If you're discipling someone, you should be an evangelist. That's the way it works. Discipleship and evangelism, they're not, dif- they're not disconnected at all. They're the same thing. But the reality is, good disciples are good evangelists. But if we're not catching fish, there's something wrong. And we need to sup with Jesus. We need to go back to the, the basics. Look at that fruit of the Spirit and see what's growing in our lives. Because God has work for us to do. Make sure that you're at peace with God so you can deliver the gospel of peace while we have time. And lastly, and I'm going to be done because I'm over time, Make sure, be ready to deploy faithful men and women as ambassadors. I have a whole thing here. I'm just going to give you the, the points so you can be done with your outline. But <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul talks about being an ambassador. Point one is we destroy disobedience in our personal lives and develop the fruit of the Spirit so we can deploy faithful men to accomplish God's mission and God's power for God's glory by God's grace. I think I've made that abundantly clear. So I'm not going to cover that again. I'll skip past that. But you know what? Let me just say this. We're diplomats. We have the doctrine of Christ. And that's what we need to be taking everywhere we go. Point two, we exist to deliver the gospel of peace and make disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ who can reproduce faithful men, who teach others also. That is discipleship. And you guys know 2 Timothy 2.2. And we are called to reproduce maturity. And I might add spiritual maturity, not just numerical uh, numerically. We're called to reproduce maturity, not just numerically. What that means is it's not about nickels and noses. 
What discipleship is, is about a deepening of our, of our commitment to Christ as a, at every level. And you cannot reproduce a faithful man or woman if you're not a faithful man or woman. Jesus never asked his disciples to do anything that he wasn't willing to do, but he did train them to go further than he did. They went past Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the uttermost. He never went to the uttermost. He left that for his disciples. And it's my prayer that God calls y'all and all those kids across the hall, well beyond whatever, if the Lord tarries, well beyond whatever it is that God's doing here, I pray that it goes much further. In John 14, 12, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he also do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Because Jesus gave his life on the cross, and he rose again, and of course it left the Spirit of God, he's given us the ability to go beyond and do greater works. And that is lead people to individual relationships in Christ and have spiritual births, people becoming sons of God. That is how we reproduce as we disciple maturity into other people. Jesus goes on to teach that the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, which we received at the moment of Christ, of a salvation, uh, is our power to accomplish his commission. It's important that we understand that we are on a mission, a great commission with a great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul and our neighbor as ourself. I've given you those references are familiar to most of you. And that brings us to the vision, which I've already given a few weeks ago in Philippians chapter 2. And that is simply to be blameless and harmless, as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom we shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And that's a great place to stop today. Um, and I've, I'm coming full circle back around to our vision and our mission because we deliver the gospel of peace when we destroy disobedience personally in our own lives and develop the fruit of the Spirit and deploy faithful disciples. Those are the three things that we've looked at under this section of, of delivering the gospel of peace. We have to make sure that we <clears throat> destroy disobedience in our personal lives, just develop the fruit of the Spirit, and deploy faithful disciples. We've got to be about going where God calls us to go and doing what God calls us to do because that's what faithful people do. Now, on February 27th, I'll be back and I'll give you the fourth installment about preparing for the return of the Prince of Peace. Because this vision update doesn't just deal with what we're doing in 2022 and 2023 and 2024. Uh, it's dealing with where we're going uh, ultimately. And you'll have to hold on that till after next week. We'll have a special guest speaker, and you're going to want to be here for that. It's going to be a great time. And we're going to be focusing on discipleship. Good place to stop because that's where that's what we're going to focus on for this next week as a church is our our needed disciple. And Pastor Gary's going to come. If you're a, if you're someone here that says I'm mature, good. You need to come and listen to what Gary's saying at the training, and we need to make sure that we are measuring up to the fullness and the stature of Christ, so that He can use us the way He wants to use us to reproduce fruit in the time we have left. And we need to pray for all the gaps that are in the ministry of Christ. And not that we like muscle through and we just sweat and, and hurt ourselves trying to get it done, but that God supernaturally will provide what the church needs. And that when it's all said and done, we all step back and go, wow, that wasn't because of Pastor Brian. That wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of you. It was because of all of us following him. And look what God has done. Look what God has done. Now he has done that. He is doing that, and he will continue to do that by his grace. And so I'm looking forward to that. Let's stand in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to gather and to consider our need to, to be disciples. Lord, if we're going to actually deliver the gospel of peace, we have to make disciples. It doesn't happen with cowboy and individual efforts, although individual efforts are important. 
Uh, Lord, it's all part of where the body of Christ is going. This is the building that you're building. And Lord, you've given us a spirit that can continue to grow and build our, our character and build us in the faith. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the word of God. I pray, God, that the things that we've heard would settle in our hearts, Lord, that we would be all about uh, destroying disobedience personally, developing the fruit of the Spirit, and deploying uh, faithful disciples. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> as we continue in attitude of prayer, is there anyone who sat on my voice this morning that would say, Brian, I'm not saved. I need to be born again. Hey, I want to pray for you. Anyone at all? All right. Any saints saying, Brian, I need to make a decision, or I'm making a decision. I'm going to follow through. I just need some prayer. Amen. Maybe, amen. Whatever God's calling you to do, I just want to pray for you. Uh, if you need to get saved, then man, don't hesitate. Come up. Bob and Carrie are here. They'll help you. Maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe you need to walk an altar and lay, lay something down. You can do that right now with people praying. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you need to join this church. Maybe you need to commit to discipleship. Maybe you need to commit to believers' baptism. Uh, maybe you need to commit to loving your husband or your wife or your children or to laying something down and filling your life with something better. Whatever it may be, man, commit that to the Lord right now. Let's pray for one another. Heavenly Father, we come to the Lord Jesus now. We pray, God, that all of us, Lord, would, would uh, Lord, look at our lives and measure it against the fullness and the stature of Christ. None of us measure up. To you, Lord, we understand that you're the standard of perfection. We understand that we have flesh on. Uh, but, Lord, I pray, God, that we would grow in our, in, our, uh, in our appetite for the things of God, our appetite for the Word of God, our appetite for the fellowship with the people of God. Lord, that will naturally produce a, a, a desire, a natural, supernatural desire for the service of God because we're sanctified for that purpose. Lord, you have set us apart <clears throat> for your use, and that's what disciples have to reckon with. Lord, I pray, God, as you, as you speak to each and every one of us about where we're at with you, Lord, that we would just be honest with you and that we would know in the recesses of our hearts what we're holding out on and that we would just give it up and allow you to take us wherever you want us to go, however you want us to get there, and be the disciple that you've saved us to be. Lord, I pray for those with hands that were raised. Lord, you're doing work in all of our hearts. And Lord, I pray, God, especially for these in a very special way that you meet the need of their heart through your word, through your church and through your spirit. Lord, thank you for drawing us together today. I pray that we would be built, uh, and Lord, that we would grow today through the preaching and through the application of the word of God. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> okay, so you guys are not Neville Chamberlain. You can go out today, and you can declare peace in your time. You are the peace givers, man. You are the peacemakers. So put that gospel on your feet and go. If you need some gospel tracts, there's some over in the corner in the hallway. Go grab them and take them with you. Give them to the, the lady at the, at the, uh, or the man serving you at the restaurant. Go to the Super Bowl party, man. Hand them out and, t and, and take your testimony with you and tell them all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. I'd like to ask uh, Mitch Newland. Come on up here, brother. You need to pray over the offering, and, uh, and we're going to ask a blessing on the offering. So uh, I need to get you a, a microphone. I'm going to have to take that with me. It's like a relay race. Now, Mitch, when you're done, leave this up here so Jeff can have it. So if you could just pray over the offering. Oh, yeah. So we're going to give back to the Lord right now. This is Mitch Newland. If you want to get involved in the kids' ministry, children's ministry, uh, see this fella, and he'll get you connected and directed. 
Uh, Lord, we just pray that you just uh, bless this uh, offering that we give back to you. Lord, we just uh, thank you for uh, giving us what you have given us. Um, we don't need or deserve any of it, um, but Lord, you've blessed us. And I just pray that we can use it uh, to further your work here uh, in Harrisonville and abroad. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, you continue to transform our hearts to be more obedient to you and uh, that you just get the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you find it in the notebook? Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, okay. This is where I share the announcements. Um, February 19th, uh, Brian has already mentioned our discipleship uh, luncheon starting at noon and encourage anyone who is a discipler to please uh, come to that. Hopefully you've already signed up, but also prior to that, starting at 10 o'clock, um, Gary Haskell is also going to put on a personal safety uh, defense class. So if that's something that you think you'd be interested in, uh, he's going to start that at 10 o'clock right here in the church, and uh, that might be something, um, might be kind of interesting to go through. He's very uh, qualified for this kind of training, so if that's something you might be interested in, that's uh, the February 19th starting at 10 o'clock. Um, already, Lee Carter is going to come this Wednesday to um, from Den Dominican Republic to speak to the church. That'll be at 6.30, but also um, that next uh, Wednesday, uh, Randy is also going to continue with his study on manuscript evidence. And um, I was uh, here uh, last Wednesday when he started it. Randy is an excellent teacher. You're really missing out if you don't get in on this. So I'd like to encourage you to come um, and get uh, boned up on manuscript evidence uh, that Randy will teach after Lee Carter uh, speaks for uh, to us this uh, this Wednesday. Uh, some other things, uh, make sure you check your bulletin out. Uh, I see that VBS is getting ready to get geared up, and it looks like on the 27th of February, Chris and Lauren Cohen is going to have a meeting. So if that's something you may be interested in, um, stick around on the 27th, and they'll fill you in on all the details. Also, I noticed there's going to be a baby dedication coming up at the end of next month. So if you've got a, a newborn or, or a small child, uh, that's, that'd be a perfect time to come up and, and uh, uh, present your child before the church, uh, committing yourself uh, to raising your children in, in the admonition of the Lord. Um, marriage conference, March 18th through the 19th at the Hyatt uh, Place in Lenexa. If you're going to stay overnight, it'll be $100 and $65 if you're just going to come for the sessions. And uh, so that's coming up uh, in March as well. So again, make sure you check all of your um, your bulletin out. Keep abreast of what's going on. And it um, looks like they're done gathering the offering. So we'll go ahead and have a word of prayer and then be dismissed. I haven't left anything out, have I? Probably. Did I not say $180? $180 you stay all night and $65 for the session. I thought I did, but that's okay. All right, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, I pray, Father in heaven, uh, that we would not uh, be content to rest upon our laurels, but Lord, we'd always strive to uh, please you, Father, to press toward the mark, Father, uh, to find out where we can fit in, where we can serve, Lord, and then we would just, just simply step into the gap. 
Uh, Father, uh, this is not a time for us to rest. That's going to come later. Uh, now we're called to serve and to work. So we pray, Father in heaven, that you would do so. Help us, Lord. Give us the grace to be able to do so. Pray also, Lord, for your protection on us as we go home tonight. Uh, go, go home uh, this afternoon. Maybe uh, find it uh, to be a blessing and as well be a blessing to others. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.